for the next few weeks, we're going to look at proofs. Now, any of you who remember your high school geometry, you know that there are proofs to prove... Uh, I didn't do well in geometry. Um, but proof like a triangle. So you, if you know all three angles, you can proof the, what, the, the length of the sides. Or if you have side, angle, side, uh, you can do the whole triangle, things like that. Okay, Proofs. And, and I think in a lot of disciplines, there are proofs that, that demonstrate certain things. There are logical proofs. Remember, if you have A and B, then you get C. Of course, A and B have to be correct. You just can't pull them out of the air and say, well, if uh, the sky is blue, A then I will, um, uh, then I'll behave myself, B, and I'll get chocolate pudding for dessert. Those don't work. They have to be logical and they have to be correct. Okay. Well, here for the next couple weeks, we will be looking at proofs of the Christian life. We'll be looking at proofs of what is genuine faith. We'll be looking at proofs of love. And how does that, how do these things demonstrate themselves in the Christian's life? Okay, so in a sense, we will be saying um, it, it might be glorious, it might be very difficult for you, because if you look at it, you'll go, well, if I'm going to prove that I have faith, then I have to prove it by demonstrating it. And today, we'll see, we have to prove it by obedience. And obedience, as imperfect as it is, you know, still we are required to live out this grace that has been given to us. And I say required, it's not a requirement of heaven that we live these things out. We don't get to heaven by the, by the way that we live. We get to heaven by the, the mercies of Christ and his grace that is given to us. But if that grace has been given to us, then our lives will be different. There is no option there. You can't just say, I've got the grace, now I'm, I'm cool. No, no, you've got the grace, you will conform to the things of Christ. You will do them imperfectly throughout your life. Hopefully, some days you will be really good, other days we know we won't be so good. But over the course of our existence, we trust that that obedience will become greater and sharper and more, come about in a more willing fashion throughout our lives. So that if you can look back over the course of the last... 10 or 15 years and see how your obedience to the things of Christ and your willingness to conform your life to his has grown, that is demonstration, that is a proof of faith, okay? So as that is an introduction, if you're able, will you stand and we'll go to John 14. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, We ask your hand of insight and mercy upon us as we read your word, that you would give us understanding of what it says, not just in our heads, but in our hearts, so that we would be demonstrators of the things of Christ. And we ask in his name, amen. John chapter 14, verse 15, really through the end of the chapter. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not behold him or know him. But you know him, because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. After a little while, the world will behold me no more, but you will behold me, because I live, you shall also live. In that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. 
He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me shall be loved by my father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Now Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our abode in him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. You heard that I said to you, I go away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you, will, you would have rejoiced, because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes to pass, that when it comes to pass, you may believe. I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of the world is coming, and he has nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father... And as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go from here. This is God's word for us today, so please be seated. Verse 15, that's, that's kind of what it boils down to. Okay, the, other, the, the rest of the passage, and as we'll see beyond in the next couple chapters, before we get to the, the, the trials and, and, and around Easter... What we have is, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Okay, now that seems straightforward, doesn't it? Just straightforward and plain. I love Christ, I'll keep his commandments. Does that mean I will keep everything? Does that mean I will keep everything perfectly? And if I make a mistake, does that prove that I don't love him? No, remember, there is sin within us. Okay, so perfection is not a realistic standard for us. But neither is sin an excuse for not obeying our Heavenly Father. I'm sinful. I, I couldn't do it. You know? I, I, you know what it says, right? You know what you should do. And sometimes we fail at that for a variety of reasons. And, and we're really not going to go into all that. But we know that sin doesn't reign in our lives as believers. But it remains in our lives. There's this vestige. And we've talked about it many times. How it clings to us and pulls us away. And some days we resist it and other days we don't. But we understand that perfection is not realistic, but our sin is not an excuse for not being obedient to the Lord at the same time. So if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now that's the key verse to qualifying for a certain uh, grouping of what we'll call spiritual blessings. And we'll see those a little bit later. How if you keep the commandments of the Lord, these are the things that are promised to you. If you are in Christ and obey him... These things come to you. The promises are for those who love Christ. And that love becomes evident by our obedience to him. And only believers receive these blessings. Because we're the only ones who are in Christ. Okay? Now, the New Testament repeatedly gives the test for a demonstration of the love of Christ. If you love me... You'll obey me. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll do the things that I do. This is the test, okay? So the one who loves Christ 
in a sense, activates these, these blessings that we'll see here in a moment by their obedience. Uh, look at 15, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So our, our, in a sense, our poster child for obedience is Christ. And what was his greatest desire? That was to do the will of the Father. That was that the Father might be glorified in his obedience. He willingly left the right hand of the Father to come into this world to take on the form of a man that he might bear our sin. Obedience. That was a demonstration of his love for the Father. Okay? So in a like manner, we are to prove our own love for Christ in our obedience to the things that he says. It is a proof of faith. Now, in the context, and we'll look at this context here for a moment, the apostles are, in a sense, proving their love for Christ in their grief. In their grief. Um, they are getting the message that Jesus is going to be going away. And there is this sorrow in their heart. They don't fully grasp it. They don't fully understand it. But he says, from, from now on, I don't want you to show your, your love for me in grief. I want you to show your love for me in the obedience, in, in, in living out the things that I tell you. So the real test of love and the real test of faith is not sentimentality. It is not how you feel. It is how you live. Okay? The test of your love is how you live. Okay? It's not about how you feel about things. Oh, you know what? You, you tell your spouse, I just love you, but you refuse to take out the garbage. Okay? Do you really love them? Okay? That's directed towards men. Okay? <laughs> this mark extends beyond Christ. It extends to how we love one another. We show the world that we are in Christ by our obedience to him and by the, following the command to love one another. This is just the way that we live. How do I know I'm in Christ? If I'm living out those things. Don't expect the perfect life, but expect to regularly follow those things. Christ makes it clear. You know, if, you, if you're a liar, the truth is not in you. Okay? So, well, what are Christ's commands? We better look and see what the commands of Christ are. The whole chapter 14 is full of these great promises for the believer. Okay, And the promises are necessary given what Jesus has said to his disciples. He says, I'm going away. And then he gives them some promises that will, in a sense, uh, buck them up and give them some confidence. He says, first, I'm going away, but I prepare a place for you. And if I prepare a place for you, what will Christ do? Come back and get us, John 14, 1 through 6. Secondly, he promises that at his departure would not mean the end of his work, and we looked at that last week. Remember, greater things than these will you do. Greater things than these, greater things to extent, greater things um, in the spiritual realm, and, and we looked at all of those things. And then he promised that they could ask anything in his name, and it would be given to them. And the promise is the presence of the Holy Spirit abiding in them. And there are qualifications to these things, as we saw last week. One of those is that you desire the things of Christ, that you desire his glory and the glory of the Father more than anything else. So if you're going to pray and you're going to ask for things, the, the qualifying is, does it glorify our Heavenly Father? Or is it simply a selfish thing? Now, now sometimes the Lord may grant you a selfish prayer, but he's going to kind of teach you in that. But really, our prayer life is, is, is focused upon what gives him glory. Okay? 
So today the qualification for our love of Christ is obedient. The believer must and will love Christ. The believer must and will love Christ. And that love for Christ must and will be authenticated through our obedience to him. Okay? Not just what we say, but what we do. But what we do. And we see this in the text four times. Verse 15, verse 21, verse 23, verse 24. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. The one who doesn't love me doesn't keep my commandments. It's just this again and again and again. So the repetition is a way of emphasizing it and to fix it into our minds. To fix this concept into our minds. Love is equated with obedience. Okay. Love and faith are a mark of the foundation of obedience. Obedience is the sure outcome and the result of love. You can't have one without the other when it comes to your life in Christ. You can't say, I love Christ, and be disobedient all the time. You can't think, well, I'm obedient. Does that mean I love Christ? Well, do you love Christ? Okay. Does your life reflect that? If you love Christ... He will be the priority in your life. Okay? Are you obedient? Well, the proof is in the pudding. That's the old saying. That proof comes, or that saying comes from long ago when somebody would say, this is going to be a great meal. How do I know it's going to be a great meal? Well, when I sit down and taste it, the proof is in the pudding. Okay? And that's a pudding. If we go back long enough, pudding was a variety of different foods. It wasn't just the, the jello pudding that we see today, but it, 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 uh, you know, you had fruit, and you had a meat pudding, and you had vegetable pudding. You had all these kinds of puddings. It was a classification of food, and people would say, well, the proof is in the pudding. If you, I, I can say it's good, but when you taste it, then you'll know that it's good. You can say you love Christ when you obey him. Then it'll be clear that you do love Christ. All right, I'm to be obedient. What am I to be obedient to? Am I to be obedient to everything in this book everything that is written in here that's a lot of things i mean uh the danger is that we'll fall into legalism and we'll cross our t's and dot our i's and we'll be so focused on uh not crossing over this line or not doing this we'll turn ourselves into pharisees well we don't want that let me give you three simple things that'll help us understand what it means to keep his commandments okay as i have loved you love one another so what does love involve Love involves these three things. First, it involves service. It involves service. Look at John 13 for a second. Flip back, verses uh, 3 and following. It involves service. Our illustration is Jesus. Okay? This is the Last Supper, chapter 13, verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself about. Then he poured water in the basin, began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel with which he had girded. So he went around and washed the disciples' feet. Is the classic illustration of service. Here is the Son of God, the one who, through whom and by whom all things were created, Colossians chapter 1. We see the one who is at the right hand of the Father. He leaves that, he comes to earth, and what does he do? He does the job of the lowliest slave, and that is to wash the feet of the disciples. He did that to illustrate that you cannot be, you know, you cannot lead unless you are willing to be the servant of all. Okay? You can't be the leader of 
what I'm calling you to do if you don't have the right attitude and mindset, and that is that of the lowliest servant. So number one, you are to serve. Okay. Secondly, you are to sacrifice, not just when it is convenient to you to sacrifice, but you are to sacrifice for the further glory of our Heavenly Father. Okay. What does sacrifice mean? Well, it means different things to different people. You might say, oh, man, I really, you know, I've been looking at, at, at going with the group to the Dominican Republic, and it's really cool, but, but I also have a chance to go on this cruise at the same week, so what should I do? Well, you, you have to balance that out. You have to say, well, I'm going to sacrifice this for the glory of our Heavenly Father. We get a call, and we say, uh, you know, one of our missionaries needs a, a, a new truck because theirs has been destroyed, and, and to do their work, we've got to, you know, get them a truck. And you think, well, do I want to buy my teenager a new car? Do I want to help support this work of Christ? You have to balance those things out and you have to make those decisions. But sometimes sacrifice requires sacrifice and requires pain and requires us going beyond what we're comfortable with. That is a demonstration of love. That is an obedience to the commands of Christ. So we have service and we have sacrifice and then last we have sharing. And that is the sharing of the gospel. Now, we know that the great commandment says, go into all the world and make disciples. The command is not to go into all the world. The command is to make disciples. It is assumed you will go into all the world when you make disciples. You teach, you preach, you baptize. Okay, that is the command to take this gospel to everyone who has yet to hear it. So if we love others then they can know we truly love Christ and belong to them. Turn over to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. This is the same author as the gospel, and he's writing to, to churches and, and his little epistles here, and, and they're short and to the point, and uh, this, uh, the first epistle, the first letter of John is, is really, uh, hits this view of love very, uh, very hard. In chapter 3, verse 13, do not marvel, brethren, if the world hates you. Who did they hate to start with? They hated Christ. If we're going to live like Christ, be expected that, to be hated as well. And then 14, we know that we have passed out of death and into life because we love the brethren. Because we love the brethren. brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Okay? So what we're talking about here is there is a difference in those who are in Christ. It is their obedience. It is their love that is clear demonstration of their faith in Christ and their love to him. Now, you know I love to do theology by movie. Okay. So for those of you who love, mir- love musicals, I'll do my best interpretation. You got Tevya and Golda from Fiddler on the Roof. And there they are, they're in the house, and they're talking to one another. And Tevya, you know, he, I think he's afraid of Golda, uh, even though he's very blustery and he comes in. And he comes in with this great thing. He says, Golda, do my best imitation. Golda, I've decided to give Perchek permission to marry our daughter, Hodel. And she says, what? What? 
He's poor. He's got nothing. He's got absolutely nothing. He says, Golda, he's a good man. I like him. And what's more important, Holda likes him. Holda loves him. He says, what can we do? And then he looks at Golda and says, do you love me? And she says, do I what? He says, do you love me? Then he breaks into song. He says, do you love me? And she says, you're upset. You're worn out. Go outside. It's probably indigestion. Golda, I'm asking you a question. Do you love me? You're a fool. I know. But do you love me? Do I love you? For 25 years, I've washed your clothes. I've cooked your meals. I've cleaned your house, given you children, milked the cow. After 25 years, why do you talk of love now? I'm your wife. He says, I know. But do you love me? Then she looks off and says, do I love him? For 25 years, I've lived with him, fought with him, starved with him. 25 years, my bed is his. If that's not love, what is? Then he kind of looks at her and says, then you love me. She says, I suppose I do. He says, I suppose I love you too. A demonstration. You can say you love. But it's a demonstration. You can say you have faith in Christ, but it takes a demonstration. And you will demonstrate it. If you love Christ, and it won't be out of obligation, you won't toe the line or do those things because you have to. You'll do them because the love of Christ dwells in you. The love of Christ compels you to. Do you love me? Yes. Do we really have faith in Christ? Then you'll do what he desires. Oh, those are hard hard words. (laughs) Hard words to do. Because what he desires is so much more than what we can do. Remember David, when he went out to see Goliath? He's just a boy. And he goes to see Samuel, or goes to see uh, Solomon, and Solomon wants to put on his armor. And Solomon was a head and shoulders above everybody else, and David's just a lad. And he tries to put on his armor, and David can't do anything with that armor. So he says, takes it off. He takes off the armor of man. He goes out and he meets Goliath with what? His sling. He got five stones he picked out of the riverbed. Now, had David ever had a sling in his hand before? Oh, yeah. He'd been fighting off the bear and the lion as they came to get the sheep. And he would take that sling, and that sling is probably from here to the floor, and it's very long, and and you can get that rock going over 100 miles an hour. Okay? And the last thing to go through Goliath's mind was that stone. Okay? God had prepared him to be obedient. It wasn't as if he just thrust him in and said, do or die here. He said, I had prepared him to be obedient. The Lord comes into our life and he begins to work at us. And we become more and more obedient. So those times when we get to the point where we think, that is just beyond me, we need to look back and say, how has the Lord gotten me ready to live in the obedience that he calls me to live in now? Okay. Yes, it is difficult, but look back. He has gotten you ready for this. The love of Christ comes into our lives, and it comes upon us, 
and it changes us to such an extent that we in our finite minds cannot really grasp it. But when we begin to live it out, when we begin to be obedient to the things of Christ, it is then that we see other lives changed. It's then that we see them, the light goes off in their heads in the same way that it went off in ours. That suddenly the veil is removed and they begin to see what grace is really like. Let me get to the blessings here at the end. There are three blessings that that come from our passage today and that I think are uh, important for every believer. Sorry, if if you're on the notes, I've I've jumped off the notes. You just have to live by faith, okay? Verses 16 and 17 of chapter 14 in John. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. So the first blessing is it's a helper. And it's not just any helper. It's a supernatural helper. Okay, if you're a chef, you get a sous chef. Somebody comes and chops your vegetables for you, makes a sauce and stuff like that. But you're the head chef. That's not quite the way it works in the Christian life. We don't get the helper helper. We get the helper, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, who comes and lives within us. And remember last week, you will do greater things than this. Why? Because I go away. Who's going to come? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and does these things through us, things that are so far beyond us. When we obey the commands of the Lord, when we exercise the faith that he has given us, then there are great things to be done. When did Peter walk on the water? I know it's a simple question. When he was in the boat? Look at Jesus on the water. Can I come out too? Sure. Great. What did he do? He got out of the boat. Okay? You don't know until you're obedient. It's one of those things. Can I do that? Well, the Lord says I can. Great. I'll live in that promise. Get out of the boat. Get on the water and experience the promise of the Lord. That's the blessing of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. What's going to happen chronologically in the next day or two here in the Gospel of John? Jesus is going to die. Jesus is going to die, but he says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, fatherless. He says, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to come back to you, and your life will be in a supernatural fashion. And then third, verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. And Judas said, Lord, what then has happened that you're going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode in him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the father who sent me. It's this supernatural union with Christ. And I want to say that, remember, we get the Holy Spirit when we become believers. The Spirit comes and dwells in us. But there is this union with Christ that we have. In a few moments, we're going to illustrate this union with Christ. Okay? It is not something that I can show you in, in a demonstrable and tangible way. It is one of those things that the believer experiences. And it's not just that we experience it at the moment of justification when we come to Christ, but we experience and we grow into this union with Christ as we are more and more obedient throughout the days of our lives. 
As we grow and we rely upon him, we understand more of who Jesus Christ is. We understand more of what he calls us to do. We understand more of that comfort and more of that grace. You don't do it until you get out of the boat and get on the water. You can't walk on the water in the boat. You got to get out. You can't experience and demonstrate this faith until you're obedient and live it out. I won't sing it to you anymore, but do you love me? That's the question. And the simple answer is if you do, then you'll be obedient. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, the, boy, the, the, the passage is so simple. If we have real faith, if you've really changed our lives, if you've given us this love and we have focused our attention on this love, because we can't love until we have actually been loved by you. And once we've been loved by you, my goodness, our capacity to love is so, so different. It's been changed. If we love you, we'll be obedient. If we have faith in Christ, that faith in Christ will be demonstrated by our obedience. Lord, the definition of that obedience is laid out for us in these many books in Scripture. And we know that some days we're obedient and some days we're not. Some days we're kind of obedient, some days we're mostly not. But Lord, you didn't wait for us to become perfect to save us. You didn't wait for us to clean up our lives before you sent your son to give his life for us and to call us by name and to draw us unto yourself. You have saved imperfect people and we will not be perfect until we stand before you completely cleansed and robed in the things of Christ. So Lord, we pray that as we live out this faith that you have given us in obedience, that we can know to a fuller and greater extent this grace and this union with Christ as we live it out, as we do your work, as we give you glory in all things. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.